welcome. Thanks for, quote-unquote, tuning in. You know, we say it quite often uh, in uh, the majority of our communications uh, that we exist to represent the love of Christ. And we hope that you're experiencing the love of Christ. There may be a need that you have. Maybe you desire someone to be praying for you or um, just a uh, for someone to connect with you and to give you a word of encouragement. Uh, m- maybe you need some errands run. We so encourage you to uh, reach out to the church. Uh, give a call to the office. Send me an email. Uh, talk to another member of the church. We would love to be the body of Christ together. Of course, on the other side of that, maybe there's someone you know. Maybe someone of you just think through the list of people you haven't talked to in a while. Maybe you could develop a a list for even this week where you will prioritize making a call, reaching out, sending an email that we might represent the Christ, the the, the love of Christ to each other. This morning, our text is, as it has been for the past couple weeks, uh, Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 15. Uh, Each week we've been looking at just a couple of verses within that larger passage. Uh, This morning, the verses we'll take a look at are verses 11 and 12, but we'll read the whole of the passage. I'll highlight those two verses in a different color on the screen. Uh, Let's receive the Word of God together. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 15. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human traditions, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands." This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. May God bless the reading of his word and may God bless our time together as well. How do you feel about knickknacks? How how do you feel about bric-a-brac? You know what I'm talking about, that uh, those uh, items, those trinkets that uh, we find all over the world. In fact, humanity must have this shared love of knickknacks and bric-a-brac. Because no matter where you go, you'll find multiple stores selling knickknack and bric-a-brac. Now, I've never actually walked into a store and said, excuse me, ma'am, uh, where, where are your knickknacks? Where do you keep your bric-a-brac? It's like they know that we want them. They put it on full display. You can walk into stores and just not even help but stumble over these little items. Now, we might expect to find trinkets in a place like Pigeon Forge, uh, 
Tennessee. I think it embraces its identity as a tourist trap. And, and so the whole street is lined with these stores selling little trinkets. But the truth is, you can also find them in New York or L.A. or Chicago. At the end of 2019, uh, Vicky and I had saved up pennies for a long time, and, and uh, uh, we had planned a trip of a lifetime. Uh, uh, we went over to England, and we saw so many different things, amazing geography, incredible history. Uh, so one day, we find ourselves in Bath, and Bath has, is known for its Georgian architecture, and it has this ancient Roman bath, these ruins uh, that are from the first century. And amidst all of this, amidst of these amazing things to take a look at, we found ourselves in a knickknack store. <laughs> there we were in England, having saved up all of our pennies, having set aside this trip to go, uh, to go over there and to, to take it all in. And here we are in a trinket store looking at a uh, a porcelain plate with a picture of, uh, of the queen on it. Uh, now, it could be that we couldn't afford more costly items, so we thought, well, let's throw $12 at this little globe uh, um, that has Buckingham Palace in it or a picture of something from Bath. And we do that. We pick up these trinkets, we take them home, we put them on the third shelf in that corner cabinet, and then we dust them for the rest of our lives. Well, it turns out we do something like that in our spiritual life all too often. Picking up trinkets, knickknacks, bric-a-brac, spiritual bric-a-brac. And we collect it almost like dust collects on things. And it becomes a part of our lives. We're going to look at that today. In fact, here's what we're going to do today. We're going to spend just a few moments in review. We're going to look at a common problem, the common problem of uh, this spiritual knickknacks that we collect. We're going to look at God's already solution, and then we'll talk about moving forward. So first to the review. A couple of weeks ago, we uh, looked at that part of the text that, that told us that in Christ, God has rooted us, built us up, and that he's established us in the faith. We looked at those words, rooted, built up, established. We discovered that they were aorist in their tense, meaning that they're past tense, and, and that um, they're in a passive voice, meaning that God accomplished these amazing things in us. You know, we, we might be rooted in, in, in uh, Midwest practicality. Maybe we're rooted in our, our family of origin and all of its positives and all of its dysfunctions. And uh, we can find ourselves rooted in all kinds of things. Maybe we've built ourselves up in, in our field or we've built ourselves up in a, uh, a, a certain ability. Uh, maybe we've established ourselves in a community. And what Paul writes is there's a rootedness, a being built up, having been built up, an establishment that is of God that is beyond anything we might be born into, beyond anything we might achieve on ourselves, that is so deep, it becomes our identity. Just last week, we looked at this incredible uh, expression in the text that um, in Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. I mean, that's enough to chew on uh, for all of time, just to realize that in this person of Jesus of Nazareth, in Jesus, 
the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Uh, but then coming out of that, for Paul to make the statement that in him, you have been filled. You have been filled. Again, God being the one who does this feeling that it's already taken place, that we are made complete in Jesus Christ. This is what we mean by I belong. Those two little words, I belong, which is the series title for uh, this set of conversations, but it's also our focus for the entire year of 2021, that we belong, I belong, you belong, when we receive Jesus Christ, that we belong to Christ. We're not just belonging to a local church, not just belonging to Northminster, not just belonging to a Christian religion. No religion, no local congregation could ever provide what Christ alone provides. In Christ, we're rooted, already haven't been. We have been built up. We have been established. We have been filled. But it seems that there's this problem, and it's a common problem. If you look back through the uh, centuries of, of the church, we're, uh, we're not the only ones that experience it. We, we see this pattern of a problem uh, in congregations all over the globe. And it happens to have been the problem in Colossae among the Colossian Christians. We, we find it in our text. In fact, we even looked at it a, a little bit last week. But if we were to go back, let's, take a, let's start in verse 4 of chapter 2. And Paul gives us some clues as to what the problem in the, uh, the Colossians were facing. In verse 4 it says, I say this, Paul writes this, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. Plausible arguments. So that there was, there was talk going on in the church that people were bringing up these other ideas that NIV translated as fine-sounding arguments. When we look at verse 8, this is what we talked a little bit about last week, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy. And here this is a term that's more general than what we might study in a college today. Uh, philosophy being teachings. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy in empty deceit, vain lies, uh, uh, teaching without substance, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. In other words, watch out for spiritual bric-a-brac. Watch out for spiritual knickknacks. You might find them attractive. You might find them collecting toward you. But don't let them become a part of what your walk with God is about. You know that uh, when scholars wrestle with this passage, uh, they've, they've looked at, well, gosh, what, how, how do we uh, describe this kind of teaching that was going on there? And there are different theories have been put forward, but it seems like the, the majority of scholars come down to this that what was going on in the church there was a, a type of syncretism, spiritual syncretism, the gathering together of different ideas. They were taking up these spiritual knickknacks, these spiritual bric-a-brac. One of the definitions, by the way, I found for bric-a-brac was uh, uh, um, uh, things that are old-fashioned, uh, um, and less than tasteful, <laughs> which is really a great description for these other teachings, less than tasteful, uh, these things that people were collecting. You know, knickknacks might be okay for the home, 
But Paul's saying these extra teachings, these, these things that have to do with human tradition, they are not meant for your spiritual life. This was the problem in the Colossian church. Maybe we can understand spiritual syncretism this way. Spiritual syncretism accepts comparative rubbish, rubbish itself in the place of Christ. Spiritual syncretism accepts comparative or even rubbish itself in the place of Christ. Now, why, why do we do this? Um, uh, uh, Pastor Joss and I were talking this past week, and uh, it's a, a joy to be able to talk with Joss about uh, passages and texts and uh, sharing ideas. And she brought up the question as to, is this more of an issue of sin or just human behavior? Great question. Great question. And so this thought of bringing together different beliefs. On one hand, we can very much say that it is a result of sin. And when we look at this as to why we would bring other things in, the place of Christ, the centrality of Christ, trusting Christ for our rootedness and our being built up and our establishment, trusting the filledness we have in Christ, that we welcome other things in, sometimes willfully. Um, like, like it's a choice we make. I want it to work this way. I want more power, so I'm going to teach these things. And we willfully do it, even sometimes knowing that they're wrong. Sometimes we do it because we're undisciplined. We, we just don't want to put the work in to really look at what we're saying or what we're teaching or what we're working on. And, and so we're attracted by something flashy and, and shiny and we bring it in and, and so-and-so said it was okay and so I'm going to go with it. And we... We accept rubbish and push Jesus away from the center and let something else take its place. Sometimes that sin is systemic. Systemic. It, it's just part of the system in which we live. That over the centuries, uh, 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 a certain pattern of belief or uh, of worship or, or whatever it might be has just grown up and we're born into that and, and it is in opposition to God, but we're so used to it that we don't question it. And Paul keeps calling us back, calling us back to this belonging to Jesus and to Jesus alone, not to the systems that have been built up around us, but belonging to Jesus and always surrendering those systems back to him. So sometimes it's an issue of sin whether it's willful or just because we've been undisciplined in our lives or because it's part of the systems in which we live. Sometimes it can simply be because of we're human. We're just human beings. There, um, there's actually this website called knickknackhome.com. And uh, there's a page on their website where they describe why do we buy knickknack? Why, why, why do we buy bric-a-brac? And one of the reasons is, is because, well, we happen to like a certain kind of decor. And so we want to capture these things and bring them into our home. But they also brought out the idea that we assign an emotional attachment to the objects we buy. So whereas a, a porcelain plate with a picture of, of uh, the queen on it is um, maybe a little tacky, uh, it means so much more that we 
We associate things with that. There's this connection. We're drawn to that connection. We hunger for that connection. And so without even being aware of it, that connection begins to displace our connection with Christ. Maybe you've experienced it before. I know of people who in their walk with Christ have had something occur that is so meaningful to them. Maybe it was a retreat. Maybe it was uh, a certain uh, season of prayer. Um, But it becomes so meaningful that in itself becomes what they get excited about. That, that, that Jesus no longer sits in that chair. Jesus no longer sits in the chair that defines who they are, that is, serves as their greatest strength, their, their, their uh, only comfort, and instead it becomes this other thing. As humans, we can be open to these emotional attachments, seek them out. Well, it seems that not just seems, it, it, it's the case that God provides a solution to this spiritual syncretism. And here's the solution. We're, I'm calling it God's already solution. It's a solution we don't have to wait for. God has already provided for it. What if God gives us the ability not to have to buy ever again bric-a-brac so that so that we could actually go into a, a tourist trap and, and we would have just this incredible resistance never to have to buy knickknacks again. Well, that'd be nice. He does give it, though, in terms of our ability to resist spiritual knickknacks, to, to be able to identify the difference. Take a look at uh, Colossians 2, verse 11 with me. Here's what it says there. In him, in Jesus... Also, you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Circumcision, appearing three times, uh, uh, one form of the word or another. In just this one verse, you know that there's this old history uh, among God's people of circumcision. We look back to Genesis and part of the covenant that God set up with Abraham was that the, uh, that the males within that family would be circumcised. Now, there were other people groups around, uh, around them that were also practicing this, but that the remo- removal of the male foreskin was going to be this identifying factor uh, for the covenant that God was setting up with them. We find in the book of Deuteronomy that Moses is talking to the people that there's going to be some hard times, but God's going to restore and bring back. And so we find in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6, we we find uh, Moses writing, saying to the people, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring, so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, that you may live. The circumcision, this this taking away of this, of this covering of our heart that keeps us from, um, uh, um, from being with God in an intimate relationship, and that God would remove this. And so we find in those words in verse 11 that this is a circumcision not of human hands. In other words, this is something that God is performing, that, that there's this provision, this spiritual circumcision that God is perform, performing. We can find it also in uh, 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 
different places in Scripture that, that let us know that in Jesus Christ, what Paul is saying, it is done. It is done. This removal of this barrier in your heart, in Jesus, this is accomplished. If we drop down and look at that one little phrase in there, putting off the body of the flesh, putting off the body of the flesh, uh, this is the spiritual cutting away of the power of sin in our lives. The NIV translates the, this line as putting off the sinful nature. Take a look at uh, Romans 6, verses uh, 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 6 and 7. We find in this text Paul also writing, listen to the similarity in teaching. We know that our old self was crucified. Here he's using the word crucified. We know that our old self is crucified was crucified with him in order that the body of sin, here the body of sin, in our text it is um, uh, the body of flesh, the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin for one who has died has been set free from sin. In other words, it's as though we were on one side of this, uh, of this, imp- uh, this wall that we couldn't get through. And that there was this dividing wall that that kept us away from God. And that the only way through the wall was to die. That that a death had to occur. And our death wasn't sufficient for it. That the death that that could happen, that could get us through that wall, would be the death of God himself. That the death of Jesus Christ. Giving up his life for our lives. And that through his death, there's there's this cutting away. There's this cutting away. And we share in the death of Christ. You know, that first part of Galatians 2.20 where it says, I have been crucified with Christ. We share in that, that cutting, that dying. And then we look at verse 12. And in verse 12, we find these words. We find it saying, Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him uh, from the dead. So the circumcision taking place of our hearts, there's this burying taking place, and Paul uses the, con- the, the, the teaching of baptism as a way of talking about our conversion. As we receive Christ, this circumcision has taken place of our hearts, that there's this burying with him into the tomb, that there's sharing in that death, and that we share then in being raised, in his being raised. That's that wall. We get beyond that wall. We're raised to that new way of being and that this has already happened in and through the working of God. Now, people who uh, read books and see the movie often will say, you know, the book is far better than the movie. Uh, Well, of course. Books have a way of telling a fuller story. Uh, they can slow time down to, to be able to articulate what is happening inside of a person and what thoughts a person is going through and, and develop some of the background story in a way that movies simply can't, uh, um, can't do. Well, it seems that we approach our lives oftentimes much more like a movie. We want to weirdly keep the plot moving forward. We just want to, well, what's coming next? What's coming next? What's coming next? What Paul is, is helping us do is say, listen, treat your life more like a book. Treat, treat your life and, and go back and see what God has already accomplished for you. Now, if you're not yet a Christian, um, 
let's, let's um, be sure to know that there is a climax that we so desire to happen in your life, this pinnacle piece of your life. If you're already a Christian, that climax of the story, the pinnacle piece of the story has already occurred. And that the rest of this life is a denouement. I love a great denouement. I love an addition of some epilogues that, that tell the furthering of the story. I enjoy those. But it's the climax moment. It's that, it's that peak of the story that, that, that tells us what really happens that directs us in the full denouement, that ongoing telling of the story. And so when we hear that we have been buried with him, and we have been raised. This is our story. We may be wondering what's coming this week. Paul is saying, listen, there's something so true that it can define your week ahead of you and the week after that until Christ comes back himself. So the bottom line is that we have had a full spiritual death and a full spiritual awakening in Jesus and in Jesus alone. That is the gift. There's no need for the taking up of spiritual knick-knack or, or spiritual bric-a-brac or adding things, taking up rubbish to displace Christ. Whether it's motivated by sin or just being human, that for us to be aware that God has already moved. You know, we uh, use that two-word thing, I belong. We've been referencing the Heidelberg Catechism what is your only comfort? What is your defining strength in your life? That I belong, body and soul, not to spiritual bric-a-brac, not to spiritual knick-knacks, but to Jesus Christ, to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I belong to him, body and soul, and life and death, not to anything else, but to Jesus Christ, the climax of my life, the pinnacle of my life story. Yes, we look forward to a day when he returns, but that's an outflowing of what he's already accomplished, what is already true about us. So moving forward, moving forward, moving forward then is all about actively trusting God's already solution. Moving forward is all about actively trusting God's already solution. You know, God's already solution means two things. And we can tell this from our text. The first being this. I need not sin. I need not sin. You know, when we lived on the, that other side of the wall, that, that side that kept us away from God, that uh, we were constrained by sin. We were enslaved by sin. It, it was the defining element in our life. But because of the spiritual circumcision that God has provided because of us being buried with Christ and being raised with him, now we need not sin. Yes, is sin before us. Yes, are we tempted? Absolutely. Yes, we make some horrible choices, but we don't have to. We're not enslaved to it. We're not owned by it. And the second thing that we can uh, acknowledge is that I have life with God. You have life. If you have said yes to Jesus, that you have life with God. You have been raised, buried and raised, and now you're on God's side of the wall, the living side. Now, we have some tools for this, and we talk about the tools all the time. Life groups, spending time in Bible studies, 
uh, kid groups, youth groups, uh, doing spiritual discipline, silence, fasting, uh, being a part of fellowship. Yet if any one of these tools focuses on bric-a-brac or gives their energy to spiritual knickknacks, then they don't serve their purposes. That these tools are intended to help us to revisit that climax in our life, that, that peak point in our life, and let it define who we are on any given day. When was the last time you asked someone or someone asked you, how's your soul? When was the last time you shared with somebody, hey, um, here's the good news of what God has done in my life? Or when someone has shared with you, I, I, I want you to know what God has accomplished for me. We'll end with this. There's this passage at the end of the Bible in the book of Re- Re- Revelation. So this is a book where God gives this uh, uh, vision to John, and John describes uh, what, what the world is like now and what the world's going to be like in, in heaven and, and, and just wonderful description. So in chapter 21, verse 22, as the description of, of heaven is coming forward in a very symbolic way, but, but notice what is being said there. John writes, And I saw no temple in the city for its temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. Uh, maybe we could say that in the domain of heaven, there is no spiritual bric-a-brac. There's no need for a temple. That, the, that God the Son and God the Father are, are by far enough. By far enough. You know, in this, uh, in this time now, we have the opportunity to live what is already true about us and about heaven itself. For we have been raised with Christ through faith in the powerful working of God who raised Christ from the dead. Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you Uh, for already working in us the good things of Jesus Christ. That indeed we have been rooted and built up and established. That God, already we have been filled. God, that we have been circumcised and we share in that spiritual circumcision of, of all that would keep us from you. That we have been buried with Christ and raised with him. And that God we would ask that you would help us identify the spiritual knickknacks and the spiritual bric-a-brac, the extra things that we have allowed to displace Christ and his truth in our lives. Let our belonging, the knowledge of our belonging to you, define us. For it is more than sufficient for all that we would ever hope for. God, we pray for each other. We pray for our world. We pray that you would bring an end to this pandemic. We pray, God, that you would uh, send your son uh, soon, that he would return and make all things new. Use us as your children in this world. May your light shine brightly through us. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. We hope that you know that you are loved by God. 
And if you ever have any questions about what we say, please reach out to us. Let's have that conversation. Uh, um, uh, we do want to let you know that there's an, uh, an extra resource we're providing this week. Our denomination has had its national gathering over, uh, over the past couple days. And there's a sermon provided by the executive director of our denomination. And we're going to put the link right below uh, the posting of, uh, of this sermon. And we'll also include the link in the email that we send out uh, on Sunday morning. Uh, so using those links, you should be able to access the sermon by Dana Allen. Uh, God bless you. Uh, thank you.